Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are so iconic that I just say Famous Amos and it's like I can taste it. Each cookie is filled with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. And the word satisfying is very key there because some cookies are crunchy and brittle and I don't like that. But Famous Amos has a deep, tooth-sinkable, satisfying crunch that I know and love. And Famous Amos classic bite-sized chocolate chip cookies are bringing back the original recipe that everyone knows and loves. One perfect bite, everything classic in a cookie. Find Famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. This episode contains mature subject matter. Who is Bessie Smith addressing when she sings about her jelly roll? Anyone who she's attracted to, male or female. As she puts it, nobody can bake a sweet jelly roll like mine. So she's using this kind of domestic, very um, feminized metaphor of baking a cake, right? For her sexual desirability and skill, I like a lot. Must be jelly cause you know jam don't shake. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. Today's show is all about a food that has a long and important history in music. Jelly. Spread it like... Why jelly? Well, it is a fun and delicious food, but more importantly, as you'll hear... Jelly has been referenced in tons of songs across decades and genres, often with special significance in the black community. When it comes to jelly and music, there's just a lot to talk about. So let's start with some ground rules. We're talking today about songs that reference jelly the food or that use jelly the food as a metaphor, which means we're not talking about this song. Because Van Morrison is only referencing the great jazz pianist Jelly Roll Morton. And we will not be discussing this song. Life is too short to refrain from eating jam out of the jar. Or this song. This, of course, is Lady Marmalade, but we aren't talking about marmalade or marmalade or jam. We're talking about jelly. You know, they're all made by cooking fruit with sugar. They're all thickened by the natural pectin in the fruits and often by adding additional pectin, which is a carbohydrate found in plants. The difference between jam, jelly, and the like is mostly in how big the pieces of fruit are that you leave in there. Preserves have large pieces of fruit or the whole fruits. Jam has pieces of fruit chopped or crushed or pureed in. Marmalade's typically made from citrus and has peels in it. But to make jelly... You cook the fruit with sugar and then strain out all the fruit. The hallmark of jelly is that it is transparent. And the hallmark of a song about jelly is that it refers to that very specific, no bits or pieces, almost see through it spread. So today we're looking at the Jelly musical canon, but we're not just looking at it. By the end of this episode, we're going to contribute our own song, 
to that cannon. Yes, an original Sporkful composition. But for that, we need some help. Hey, John. Hi, Dan. Um, can you just like uh, introduce yourself to Sporkful listeners? Like, how, What's your title? How do you want to be identified? Uh, my name is the Reverend John Delore. John Delore is an extremely talented audio producer, editor, and engineer. He and I have been colleagues at a few different audio companies over the years. He's also a musician. That's like that's where you're the Reverend John Delore. You record under the name the Reverend John Delore. That's correct. And you write music. Mm-hmm. You understand melody, mm-hmm. tempo, correct harmony. Yes. Here's what's going on, John. All right. <laughs> okay. we're, we're doing a sport. We're doing a sporkful episode where. We take a food that has been referenced in many songs across many genres in many years. Okay. And then we want the whole episode to culminate with an original song about the food. Mm. 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 So you want me to ask one of my friends to write it? (laughs) (laughs) Before I say yes to this, Dan, I think it's important that I find out what the food is item is right because you're an artist right I, I don't just i don't just give my work away or just say yes to anything no i understand <laughs> you have very high standards okay all right you ready uh-huh the food is jelly mm. john begrudgingly says yes to the assignment so we leave him to it now it's time for us to look at the history of jelly in music most of the well-known jelly songs got popular because they're performed by famous singers or bands But there is one Jelly-related track that took a different path to stardom. And that song? Well, there's a bit of a story to that one. Kevin, describe yourself in college. Myself in college? Um, You know, it's funny. I was actually fairly shy. Like many a young introvert, Kevin Flynn spent a lot of his time online. It was a group of online friends, and we were in this, you know, old IRC channel, and this this guy simply had had this thing on his hard drive forever. It was a song. He's like, you know, it's this funny, weird old song. So I think the, if I think back, I believe the earliest I heard it was probably 1996. And that's like in an internet chat room. Exactly. Yeah. It was in an internet chat room. Were you like using Prodigy or AOL to access this chat room? Like, was it a dial up connection? <laughs> yeah. A Prodigy member. Dial up on Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking like Stone Age, Internet Stone Ages. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, I, I specifically remember it took me like two and a half hours to download the song. <laughs> a few years later, Kevin was in college. It was one or two in the morning, and he was very drunk. I remember it perfectly, and I don't know how, because like I said, I was blitzed. I was in my little studio apartment over by San Diego State. I was sitting at my desk, which, you know, was overlooking a little courtyard. Uh, drinking, you know, laughing with friends. And I, I, I found, you know, the old MP3. I loaded it up and I just thought, let's do something funny with this. It's peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? It was literally, I'm going to make this banana dance to the theme of this awful song and it, it, it almost just came together where the first pass it went exactly along with with the beat of the music and it was literally just throwing that together in flash you know with the cheesy pixelated graphics and the cheesy pixelated banner 
Um, and that was kind of it. it you know, it, this wasn't like a this wasn't like a, a, a Mona Lisa creation. This was like an hour. Kevin took his lo-fi video of a banana dancing to an inane song about peanut butter and jelly, threw it on a couple message boards for laughs, and went to bed. Like two or three days later, um, AT&T actually called. And I, I still remember they, they, they basically like, what in the hell are you doing? You guys have moved like two and a half terabytes of data in the past 24 hours. Like what is going on? We're talking two and a half terabytes in 2001. My whole computer back then had 850 megs of memory. I think at the time they thought we were like pirating something. Pretty quickly, the viral hit got out of hand. I went through it. It was chaotic. It was crazy. You know, it was kind of fun. It was also kind of annoying. You know, just people contacting you 24-7, you know, people finding your phone number. At the time, Kevin was chatting with an online crush, a San Diego State classmate he hadn't met in person. They started talking before the viral video, and she watched everything unfold. She was kind of in the same boat. She was like, what in the hell? I'm like, what is this thing? And, you know, I, I think she definitely helped me where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Um, and then I would say probably within a year of it becoming popular, we ended up meeting. Meanwhile, the Dancing Bananas fame kept growing. It was featured on an NBC show called Ed. Then the Fox show Family Guy wanted to use it. Fox needed the rights to the song as well as the dancing banana, so they reached out to the original group that made Peanut Butter Jelly Time back in the 90s, DJ Chipman and the Buckwheat Boys. The track didn't get a lot of love when it was first released, and by this time the group had broken up. At least one band member had passed away. Fox called all over Florida, where the group was based, and they finally found the guy with the rights to the song. This guy said, quote-unquote, I don't give an F what you do with that effing song and hung up on them. <laughs> oh, don't feel bad, Peter. Hey, I know what'll cheer you up. Nah, I don't think I'm in the mood. Are you sure? It's peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time, peanut butter jelly time. Way at, way at, way at, way at. Peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. Sorry, Brian, it's just not doing it today. Today, Time Magazine estimates that Kevin's video has been viewed a billion times. It's one of the most widely circulated internet memes in history. Kevin only ever made money off the licensing deal with Family Guy, but he's gone on to a successful career making video games. His license plate reads, PBJ Time. Why a banana? I just thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of, it just kind of went, you know, I, I you know, the irony is I hate bananas. I, really? I truly do. I hate, I hate the smell of banana. <laughs> How do you feel about peanut butter and jelly? I am a fan. I'm a big peanut butter and jelly fan. How do you like your peanut butter and jelly? I like it chunky. Chunky. And, and how do you layer the ingredients? Usually one side peanut butter, the other side jelly. And you just kind of mash the, the ingredients together. Which side up? Peanut butter. Why? I don't know. Is there a right way? Funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually argue, Kevin, for a thin layer of jelly on top and bottom with peanut butter in the middle. Really? You get jelly on the bottom, which the lands in your tongue, accentuates the sweetness without having to add too much sugar, but also jelly on top, which coats the roof of your mouth so that the peanut butter doesn't stick to it. Interesting. I'll have to try that. 
There is one last part of Kevin's story. Remember that college crush, the one he met online, who helped him keep it together when the PBJ time video was blowing up? We started dating, and then, you know, we ended up married, and we've been married for coming up on 13 years. We, we did um, Halloween at my house this year, and I, you know, I had parked my car out front, and so obviously, you know, the license plate on the car is PBJ time. And I kid you not, we had 25 kids that came to the door that started singing peanut butter jelly time as soon as we opened the door. And, you know, because apparently word spread through the school that, oh, this is a peanut butter jelly time guy. And it's just, it's shocking to me, you know, that these 10, 12, you know, 13-year-olds still know it and still are entertained by it. So, Kevin, we're doing this episode, it's really all about jelly. And yes. we are ending this episode with an original musical composition that, as of the conversation you and I are having right now, has not been written. I'm excited. So help us out, Kevin. Give us a lyric, a Jelly-related lyric, that we need to incorporate into our song. Oh, my God. Can we talk about your new invention? Okay, so you want a reference to to Jelly on the bottom and Jelly on the top, Double Jelly. I do. I I think Double Jelly is the way to go. I think I'm fascinated by this. I'm actually... I'm going to tell my wife as soon as I'm done here. I, let's try this for lunch. I want to try this double jelly. I'm scared and I'm fascinated by it. All right. Well, if a, if a, if a, if a meme comes out of this, I get a cut, Kevin, just so we're clear. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Peanut butter jelly. So I think now you get the idea of what we're doing here. And yes, there are still a lot of Jelly references in music we still have to cover. But meanwhile, we got to write and record a song of our own. Kevin gave us the lyric, Double Jelly, but that's a far cry from a song. We need a lot more than that. All right, Anne, go fan. Sporkful producers extraordinaire. What up? <laughs> What's wrong? I got to lower that level there. Oh. What are you guys bringing to the table here? What can we count on you for? We're putting a band together. I, I'm bringing I'm bringing some light pipes. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Also, that, also known mean? as singing. Okay, la 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 la. <laughs> Great. And what can we count on you for? Oh, I play a pretty mean rhythm guitar. Oh, all right. <laughs> Dating back to things that we will not talk about. Didn't you play like in a Beatles cover band? That's right. All right, all right. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> all in the name of oh, Jelly. I know. There's just one important thing we got to do before we can really put this band together and start working on the song. We have to pick a musical genre. Mm. So we've had some internal conversations. We've narrowed it down to a list of four genres that we think we could hope, maybe, possibly, mediocrely pull off. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. And that also will make for good songs. Yeah. We have high standards. So we have, <laughs> I'm writing down on pieces of paper, pop, disco, bluegrass, show tunes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've written them on a pieces of paper, and I'm going to tear them into squares. Again, the options are disco, show tunes, bluegrass, Americana, and pop. That's the paper ball. Can you shake more vigorously? We really want them to mix. Sure. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Reach in. Pick it up. Don't open it yet, though. I've taken it out. I am unfolding the paper. All right. Tension is palpable. (laughs) I know what it is. 
Show tunes. Oh, I wanted disco. No, can we draw again? Oh, oh man. man, this is gonna be. That is the only one that I was like, no. Coming up, we're gonna call for musical reinforcements. Stick around. Here's a song about Jelly Man Kelly. He loves jelly the most. Papa most of all. Jelly Man Kelly loves jelly on toast. <laughs> it's time to open up a can of advertisements. The weather's warming up. Have you nailed down your summer travel plans yet? I can tell you, we're working on ours and things are booking up, which is why you should be thinking about Norwegian Cruise Line. They have been raising the standards of cruising for more than 55 years. Let me tell you, when you cruise with NCL, you get award-winning specialty restaurants, immersive entertainment, and the most thrilling experiences at sea. Now, look, one of the great things about cruises in general is that you can visit and explore all kinds of different destinations, all with the ease of unpacking your bag just once. But Norwegian Cruise Line... They take cruising to another level, and they take food to another level. With no set dining and entertainment times and no formal dress codes, you have the flexibility to design your ideal vacation. They have an incredible variety of truly authentic and fresh dining and bar experiences complemented by exceptional service. Listen to this. There are up to eight complimentary and nine specialty dining options per ship and up to 23 bar and lounge options. Come see why NCL's guest first philosophy means exceptional service and unforgettable memories. Book your next vacation at ncl.com. I enjoy a nice glass of wine, but I don't pretend to be an expert in wine. I usually just want a wine that's high quality, delicious, and not too expensive. And to me, that's Bogle Family Vineyards. And here's the thing about Bogle. This is a third-generation family-owned winery from California that makes exceptional wines for about 10 bucks a bottle. Bogle wines consistently earn best buy designations and high ratings from wine enthusiasts. And let me tell you something. The folks at Wine Enthusiast, they drink a lot of wine. They drink a lot of fancy, expensive wine. And yet they still keep giving great ratings to Bogle. And Bogle Vineyards has so many different kinds of wine. Whatever your mood, whatever you're eating, there's a wine for you. they got this great Pinot Grigio that's crisp and fruity, goes well with spicy foods, with fish. They have a classic Chardonnay that's balanced, amazing, with a pork tenderloin or butter chicken. I like to take that Chardonnay and do what Jacques Pepin taught me, a couple of ice cubes in your glass of Bogle. If Jacques Pepin says it's okay, then it's okay. And there's the Bogle Pinot Noir, refined and elegant with bright fruit and about as food-friendly as a red wine can be. You're not going to believe it's only $10. Neither will your friends if you tell them. So pick up a few bottles of Bogle wherever you buy your favorite wines. Please drink responsibly. At Boar's Head, delicious is in the details. And you see that in their incredible selection of hummus flavors. Boar's Head hummus is expertly crafted to achieve the perfect balance of creamy texture and refined taste. You can taste those chickpeas. You can taste the tahini. You can taste a little bit of acidity. It's got it all. I especially love their roasted red pepper hummus made with fire-roasted peppers. You can even taste a little bit of that char. It's perfectly dippable. It's perfectly spreadable. This is the kind of thing you always want to have on hand in your refrigerator. Dip, scoop, spread, or smear boar's head hummus to your heart's content. Hummus so extraordinary, it can only be boar's head. Compromise elsewhere. Are you ready for warmer weather? I know I am. But is your wardrobe ready? I just stocked up on spring and summer clothing at Quince. And let me tell you something. I feel great about everything I got. I got a couple of short sleeve button down shirts, polo shirt, some shorts. Everything feels great. It's super high quality. And I can't believe how much stuff I got at a reasonable price. 
Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. Whatever you need for the spring and summer, Quince has your back. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash sporkful for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sporkful to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash sporkful. Welcome back to The Sporkful. I'm Dan Pashman. Hey, in a few weeks, I'm moderating a panel at a food festival on Martha's Vineyard. The whole thing's called Martha's Vineyard Flavors. It's a weekend of talks, demonstrations, and delicious meals. And you can buy tickets to just one or a couple parts of the weekend. You don't have to commit to the whole thing. It's the first weekend in June. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if you come, I can promise you'll eat well. So I hope you can be there. Get more info and tickets at mvmuseum.org. We'll also put a link in the show notes. Thanks. Okay, back to our musical odyssey. And I should say, this episode originally aired a few years ago, back when my friend John Delore, the audio producer and musician, was working at Stitcher. Remember, he's the one who said he would help us write and record our song about Jelly. So I stopped by his desk to check in. So John, how's it coming with the song? <laughs> what, what, what reaction are you looking to get here? The honest one? <laughs> yes, the honest one. <laughs> You're killing me. All right. <laughs> You spun the wheel, you got show tunes, okay? Like if you would have got something that was like an easy like folk or something, it's like an acoustic or vocal, but now it's like, you know, very intense rhyme schemes. You're talking about a chorus, you know. Do you have anything else you're working on right now? Yeah, Dan. <laughs> Lots of things. Do you think I sit around this office waiting for people to ask for musical numbers? Clearly, John was excited about our collaboration. So excited, in fact, that he handed me off to a friend of his. So, Allison, are you a fan of Jelly? Love it. It's my jam. This is Allison Layton Brown. She's a composer. She played me some initial ideas for how the song could go. Yeah, like that kind of, a, you know, that feel. So our Jelly song is coming along, but there's still a lot of work to do. In the meantime, there are more Jelly songs to cover. Now, look, we knew when we embarked on this odyssey, if we're going to do this episode, we have to talk about the 2001 hit by Beyonce's original group, Destiny's Child. Of course, I'm talking about Bootylicious, which I think we can agree is one of the greatest Jelly-related songs in history. I'm sorry, but did you say that you you don't like Beyonce? Um, let me put it like this: I wouldn't pay to go to a concert. You know, I I do I don't turn it off or anything when I hear Beyonce. I'm just not a major fan. This is Professor Psyche Williams Forson, chair of the Department of American Studies at the University of Maryland College Park, and Beyonce skeptic. You know, I, I'm about twelve years older. I mean, I'm more of a Jill Scott kind of gal, you know. Okay, Professor, we can chalk it up to generational differences and forget this moment ever happened. Now, we will get to Bootylicious, but in order to really understand that song, we first have to go way back to 1938, to one of the early references to Jelly in recorded music. This is the Hipcats. 
Oh, yeah, man. And it looked like jelly. Yeah, man. Got to be jelly. Yeah, man. Because jump don't shake that way. Jump don't shake that way, man. What interests me about this particular recording, you hear that it's a call and response between two men talking about a woman. So you get the kind of back and forth. This is Professor Courtney Thorson from the University of Oregon, who studies African-American literature. She also joined Professor Williams Forsen and me. The two of them, along with three other chefs and professors, wrote a paper about the roles of black women in food work. Now, this back and forth in the song, the call and response, also invokes the dozens, that tradition of going back and forth with burns like Yo Mama jokes that has a long legacy in Black American culture. But there's one lyric that really jumps out in this 1938 Hip Cat song. It must be jelly because jam don't shake that way. It doesn't take a lot of leaps to connect that particular metaphor to Black women's bodies, robust um, behinds and posteriors. Now, some context here. The Hip Cats track came out just as the Harlem Renaissance drew to a close. During the 1920s and 30s, as Black Americans moved from the South to cities, they faced pressure to be, quote-unquote, respectable. That pressure to prove their worthiness came from white Americans— but it also came from within the Black community. Black organizations like the National Urban League discouraged Black people from eating certain foods in public, things like fried chicken and watermelon. Because of long-standing stereotypes from white Americans, there was a concern that eating foods by hand would make Black people look backwards, not respectable. The writers of the Harlem Renaissance are exploring all kinds of avenues of expression, many of which depart quite substantively from politics of respectability. Right. And the boundaries are being, I mean, Josephine Baker, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be clear. So we have literature, we have music, we have clothing, we have photography. And these songs using jelly, they fit into this history. These Black musicians are reclaiming the right to talk about bodies and sexuality as they choose in the face of that pressure to be respectable. And I I did not know until I started researching for this episode how Jelly Roll Morton got his nickname. Mm -hmm. If you had asked me, I would have said... Oh, well, probably like he was a kid and he loved Jelly Rolls. And his, and his grandmother <laughs> mm-hmm. said, I'm going to nickname you Jelly Roll. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and it's stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But am I right that uh, that nickname actually has a very sexual connotation? Y- yes. Are you going to be the one to say it, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I will be. Look, you know, this is a, uh, you know, uh, sure. Yes. I mean, it's a. Uh, it's a reference to a specific part of the woman's, woman's anatomy. Mm-hmm. And his particular skill at oral sex. Okay. That's the mm-hmm. apocryphal, sort of in jazz studies, the apocryphal um, story or the legend is that Jelly Roll Morton was named for his skill at performing oral sex on women. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So remember that banjo song I played a bit of earlier with the lyric, your baby may roll her jelly fine, nobody's baby can roll it like mine? That was one of the examples of jelly being used as a metaphor. In all these winking allusions, Professor Williams Forson hears more than a clever use of innuendo. She hears people doing something very human, having fun. We tend not mm-hmm. to think of black people as willing sexual beings unless they are loose, licentious, over the top, etc. But various forms of, of sexual expression have been around since the dawn of time. Black people did experience joy. Yes. 
right? Even during enslavement and during the Reconstruction era and Jim Crow and on up through the through the ages. And so different kinds of play on words and metaphors are reflective of some of that joy. And I think that's an important element that we tend to overlook because we're so busy focusing on the licentious element as opposed to the joyful, playful elements of of Black lives. That's right. I mean, and that is even and especially true for Black women. Case in point, the famous blues singer Bessie Smith. She actually uses the jelly metaphor earlier than that 1938 song. This one's from 1923. But what Smith had done earlier is uses that jelly metaphor not to be the object of men's talk and gaze, but to just assert her own kind of sexual desirability and sexual prowess. Who is Bessie Smith addressing when she sings about her jelly roll? Anyone who she's attracted to, male or female. As she puts it, nobody can bake a sweet jelly roll like mine. So she's using Mm -hmm. this kind of domestic, very Mm -hmm. um, feminized metaphor of baking a cake, right, for her Mm -hmm. uh, sexual desirability and skill I like a lot. So that's how jelly was used among black musicians in the 20s and 30s. Then in the 40s, white musicians started using the metaphor. The most famous example comes from the Glenn Miller Orchestra. They're an all-white big band. You may know their song, In the Mood. In 1942, Glenn Miller had a hit with his version of It Must Be Jelly Cause Jam Don't Shake Like That. But his has a notable difference. It's got very few lyrics. Earlier versions had lyrics like, She's got a shape like Venus, pretty as a rose. Where she comes from, goodness knows. Glenn Miller's take just has this. Must be jelly cause jam don't shake like that. Oh mama, you're so big and bad. You know, whether audiences did receive those very few lyrics as being about sex or not, fat is not necessarily designated as attractive in the way Glenn Miller puts those lyrics. It comes across as maybe silly or pejorative, whereas there is no question that for the hip cats, for Bessie Smith, for Destiny's Child, that having an ample body is desirable. You know, it's celebrating a black woman's body as sexy and desirable, right? As bootylicious. Can you handle this, Michelle? Can you handle this, Beyonce? Can you handle this? I don't think they can handle this. And that brings us back to where we started. 2001, bootylicious. So what does it mean for Beyonce to sing, I don't think you're ready for this jelly, all those years after Bessie Smith? Anytime women go against what is a cultural expectation, there's going to be tensions. So part of, for me, what what Beyonce is doing, we don't know at that moment that she's about to break out, but she knows it, right? And she knows that in breaking out on her own, part of what has to be contended with is her body. Right, because black women's bodies have been criticized down through the ages. She has an idea of the brand that she's about to create. And that's a brand that we haven't seen much of since the likes of Josephine Baker, who was equally criticized for having a curvaceous body. So part of what, to me, Beyonce's doing with Bootylicious is breaking out to say, I'm reclaiming black women's bodies. I shake my jelly at every chance when I whip with my 
She has given so many women, Black women, women of Latina descent, Native, white women, she's given women the permission to now see themselves on Sports Illustrated and other places and be celebrated for that. And she's done it, but she's also following in a long tradition of that having been done. So the whole idea of Jelly as a stand-in for women's bodies, you can trace it from Bessie Smith to Beyonce. Then, in 2015, the genre took a turn. If Destiny's Child was kind of taking back jelly as a term for women describing themselves as desirable, what you get in this track, Peanut Butter, is RuPaul and Big Frida are using it to claim desirability for LGBTQIA people. There's more to unpack in this track. It has people playing the dozens, like where RuPaul says your sister's on the corner selling peanut butter. Also, it samples peanut butter jelly time. And... And it also, like the blues, has the South in it, right? Big Frida, New Orleans Bounce Queen. The original Peanut Butter is a Miami bass group, right? So they're sampling a Miami group. So it brings um, the South back in really forcefully. So Courtney, as part of this episode Mm -hmm. that we're doing on Jelly and music, its use in music, we are going to culminate this episode with an original composition. (gasps) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You heard correctly. So we are in the process of trying to write and record a show tune about Jelly. Mm. Can you give me a lyric that you would like to hear incorporated into our show tune about Jelly? Take as much time as you need. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) A lyric for your show tune. Well, I definitely want the word cake in there. And then I guess we're going to need to get icing in there too. So cake, because a jelly roll is a type of cake. But why icing? Uh, So RuPaul's use of peanut butter is, of course, because it's spreadable. So icing shares that quality. It seems to me that icing is the next frontier in using the cake metaphor. That's Professor Psyche Williams-Forson, chair of the Department of American Studies at the University of Maryland College Park, where she also teaches food studies. And we heard from Professor Courtney Thorson from the University of Oregon, whose work focuses on African-American literature. Her book is called Women's Work. Now we're almost ready for the big finale. While John, Allison, and Gofan and I get ready, let's listen to another recent entry into the Jelly Canon. This is Chance the Rapper's 2019 song, Ball and Flossin. Show me all the money that you make off that That you make off that Peanut butter jelly with a baseball bat Peanut butter jelly with a peanut butter jelly Y'all ain't ready for the jelly to break y'all back Alright John, we're back here in studio But before we get to this song That you've been working so hard on I realized I never asked you Do you even like jelly? Well I mean who doesn't like jelly? Well yeah, I mean most people like it well enough But I mean like maybe right. some people prefer jam or preserves no, I mean, if if you put it that way, I definitely prefer jelly over jams and preserves. 
But like, how much do you really love jelly? All I can say, Dan, is I give a jar of jam the respect that it deserves, and I save a bit of love for those old fruit preserves. But my heart will swerve and lift if you sift those fruit chunks out. My soul is uncontrollable as I spread it all about. Ooh, that's nice. Jelly puts the joy in my joyfulest refrain Fruit and pectin is like medicine I spread it on my pain That smooth consistency is the sweetest panacea Can it be the jelly is the key to keeping sane? Why do I love it just like Romeo loves Juliet? Why does it set my heart flying like a speeding jet? Why does the spread of it on toaster muffin make me sweat? I'll tell ya, but I don't think you're ready for this jelly yet. Golly, John, you really do like jelly. For the purpose of this song, Dan, I sure do. Don't you? Jelly on its own, it's okay. Before peanut butter came along, my jelly was just fine. But spread that peanut butter and the combo is sublime. The icing on the cake is the double jelly layer. Make that sandwich mine. It's peanut butter jelly time. Why do I love it just like Romeo loves Juliet? Why does it set my heart a-flying like a speeding jet? Why does the spread of it on toaster muffin make me sweat? Why? Because! Jelly is the elemental essence of a fruit condensed, reduced until its effervescence, drives the primal senses senseless, sealed in jars, my patience tested, for the stuff I'd get arrested, pop the top, and yes, you guessed it, jelly simply can't be bested. So that happened. Yeah, that happened. Uh, first of all, I want to thank the Reverend John Delore and Allison Layton Brown for doing such an incredible job on that song. Now, I know what you're thinking. Dan, how can I listen to that song over and over and over again? Well, you could just hit rewind on this podcast, or you could go to sporkful.com because we pulled out the song and posted it by itself on SoundCloud. We've embedded that player in the blog post for this episode, so you can listen to it there, you can share it through social media, you can tell all your friends about it. Also in that blog post, we put up a karaoke version of the Jelly song. So you can go ahead and record yourself singing it. We'll throw the lyrics up there, but hey, write your own lyrics. Have fun with it. All I ask is that you share it on social media, tell your friends to check out this episode, and use the hashtag SporkfulOfJelly. I cannot wait to see your performances popping up on that hashtag. I'm going to be checking it. I want to see what you come up with. So all those goodies, plus a complete list of the songs featured in this episode and our Spotify Jelly playlist, all of that is in the post for this episode at Sporkful.com. Check out last week's episode, which was partly written for us by ChatGPT. This episode was originally produced by me, along with... And Sani. And... Ngofen Putubwele. It was edited by Peter Clowney and mixed by Jared O'Connell. The Sporkful team now is senior producer... Emma Morgenstern. And producer... Andres O'Hara. Our engineer is still... Jared O'Connell. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. 
Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. I'm Cecilia Wagnon from the great state of Texas, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. no idea if I hit that note or not. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Here you are. BPM's high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue... Panting! You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not.